When you type mid-century kitchen into a Google search, what you're actually going to find are a lot of modern ideas of how to update a kitchen in a mid-century-ish style. And on this podcast, I've talked before about the common, typical, builder-grade mid-century kitchen and what that often looks like. You might be deeply familiar with that one yourself. It might look like your kitchen. But today, let's talk about something a little different. Let's talk about the aspirational kitchen of the mid-century era, which inspired all the kitchens that we live in in America today. In other words, why are mid-century kitchens? Hey there, welcome back to Mid-Modern Model. This is the show about updating MCM homes, helping you match a mid-century home to your modern life. I'm your host, Della Hansman, architect and mid-century ranch enthusiast. You're listening to episode 1603. Before we talk about the mid-century dream kitchen of the past, let's talk about your mid-century dream kitchen for a minute. The kitchen is the heart of any mid-century update. Get it right, and you can pretty much apply the style guide choices and even the layout moves you're making to every other part of your home. Get it wrong, and you or the next owner will be climbing the walls wanting to plan a replacement remodel in less than 10 years. Trendy choices just don't last. So you want timeless. Plus, there's that pesky mid-century kitchen layout. It often just does not line up with the lives we lead today. And that's why a kitchen is an area that nearly everyone wants to work on. Certainly, nearly every client we have gets us involved in updating and upgrading their mid-century kitchen. Now, I've talked exhaustively about how important this part of your home is to an overall mid-mod vibe. And how can you know you've nailed it? I've put together a handy free resource for you. If you have not yet grabbed it, go grab my mid-century kitchen update guide to get the five essential elements you must nail for a mid-century kitchen that looks good and works for your life. Grab it at midmod-midwest.com kitchen. And if you're really serious about making some changes to your kitchen this year or next, in the near future anyway, pick your phone up right now and start swiping to get into your browser mode. Go to midmod-midwest.com slash clinic and lock down your seats for next Saturday, not this, but next Saturday's Mid-Century Kitchen Clinic. It's still available for the early bird price until the end of this weekend, and I don't want you to forget to buy it now and pay full price later. So sign up now so that you can join us to walk through the process of a perfect mid-century update plan from dream to develop. Get both those links, plus the transcript and the images of the specific kitchens I'm going to talk about today in the show notes link at midmod-midwest.com slash 1603. When you Google the term mid-century kitchen, you're going to see a lot of contemporary ideas for updated kitchens in a mid-century style or sort of a mid-century style, and they'll be in mid-century homes or in any home of any era just pasting in this name of Finnish and open plan concepts. But actually, there were some very specific drivers of design choices back in the day that our mid-century homes were being built. So let's talk about that. Last week, I was doing a little internet digging and I pulled out a series of Kohler fixture handbooks, uh, sort of kitchen and bathroom design guides meant to sell their toilets, their sinks, and their... um shower units. And you could really see a huge range of changes that take place during those couple of decades. I want to get into with you today how we can look at the time capsule moments of aspirational kitchen desire that are the kitchens of mid-century era television shows. Because just as Nancy Myers movies have inspired a thousand soft palate farmhouse kitchens with islands that could be dining tables and miraculously never dusty oven shelving, we can track what people were drooling over at various moments by checking out the kitchens they were looking at on TV. 
I've spent a bunch of time on this podcast, and we all experience on a regular basis the builder grade kitchen of the mid 1950s. An L shaped layout typically anchored by a freestanding range on one end and a fridge on the other with a little window over a kitchen sink. Sometimes it's a full U with a little peninsula with a division between the eat in kitchen and the working area. But the basic DNA of a builder grade kitchen is quite similar and sometimes quite frustrating. Still, though, there were other ideas floating around at the time, and the best place to go check out what those were is to look at magazine ads and to look at contemporaneous TV shows. So the kitchens that we see in mid-century advertising content are often much more modern feeling. They often show someone in a U-shaped or peninsula or an island-based kitchen with the mom of the household engaged in conversation or smiling at some other members of her family in the kitchen. She's usually wearing a very dressy vintage dress, um, but there is a sort of a concept of her as socializing within her kitchen. What those advertising images sometimes mask is that the core idea of a mid-century kitchen was as a workspace, as a food production zone, and really as the home office of the homemaker, if you will. That's why they were so focused on the fixtures in their advertising. Workspaces, I mean actual counter surface, all tended to be facing a wall, and it was a practical, efficient workspace for one person to turn around and literally take as few steps I saw in several bits of advertising copy from the mid-century era while I was researching this episode, step saving as an advertisement concept for mid-century kitchens. Today in the era of Fitbits, it's not that we actually want to take more steps while cooking, but the idea of a step-saving kitchen isn't actually the most appealing quality of a kitchen. Now we want a kitchen that feels like the heart of the home or the hub of social activities, but kitchens in the mid-century were meant to be efficient workspaces. Now, we have to remember that they were comparing themselves to the kitchens that were designed before the mid-century. And for more on this, go back and check out my episode interviewing Sarah Archer or check out her amazing book, Mid-Century Kitchens. But she talks a little bit about what had come before. The kitchens before the mid-century didn't have built-in elements. For the most part, they had freestanding appliances and they had one cleverly designed freestanding piece of furniture that served as kitchen storage, like a Hoosier cupboard. Um, basically a cabinet with a small built-in counter, some upper glass dish storage, and some lower bin storage for flour and other uh, non-perishable pantry goods. Uh, they were not particularly effective to work in and probably not particularly comfortable, hot, cold, smoky, dependent on what was happening inside of them. So in the mid-century, we suddenly have this new focus on efficiency, on labor saving. We've got the factory idea of applying sort of engineering aspects to the mid-century kitchen. Uh, we've got the idea of the kitchen work triangle. And we're constantly circling back to the idea of a kitchen as a place to prepare food for a home. The deep irony, though, is that part of the idea of getting women standing up and working at counters rather than sitting at tables was, um, or sitting at that, you know, eat-in kitchen table was sometimes considered part of the prep space, the workspace of the kitchen. When they had the idea that we should do all of our workspace at counters, the driver behind that was the ergonomics of the actual morphology of women's bodies. They figured out what was the right height of a workspace compared to the height of a person doing the work. But that only works if the kitchen counter is appropriately sized for the actual height of the person. So if 
you, like me, happen to be approximately six feet tall, um, you'll probably find kitchen counter space to be slightly lower than what you want. But actually, the average kitchen counter height is also not the appropriate size for the average height of the American woman. It's a little high for her. So anyway, that's a beside the point. What I want to get into is what were people dreaming of? What were people looking at as they look at the kitchen space in their homes? And it kind of tells us what type of food they're preparing and how they're spending their time in their space. So the first moment in history that I decided to pull from and talk to you about was the kitchen of the I Love Lucy set. This show ran from 1951 to 1957, and it actually, to me, looks like what I think of as a kitchen from the 1940s. Um, and this makes a lot of sense because we always have a little bit of a lag in our sense of historical timelines. We always are sort of remembering back a little further when we think of a fashion as 90s. If you go and look at the contemporaneous TV shows, you're like, oh, actually, that was that was not early 90s. That was late 90s. But um, looking at this kitchen, which I encourage you to go to the show notes page and check out a couple of photos of it that I'll put there. It's got a very retro looking, of course, it was the latest in modern technology at the time, refrigerator, freestanding, a sink that looks, oh my God, exactly like mine, (laughs) double barrel, uh, double basin, white enamel sink with a very low, simple faucet. It's got very little counter space, actually. There's just a little bit of counter space on either side of the sink. The fridge is built into a wall of mostly floor-to-ceiling upper and lower cabinets with a little bit of open storage to display the very high-end Pyrex and mixing stand. And then the range is a freestanding unit with no work surfaces on either side of it. Fascinating. Um, It's also interesting to note that the I Love Lucy set originally was an apartment or the place that she was imagined to be living was an apartment. And so you can see that this kitchen is inserted into, it's a modern update of a kitchen into an older building. And you can see it in the doors in this that enter the space that they have actually very fancy corner block molding at the outside of the door trim. And so it's it's got modern appliances, the sort of latest in sink and refrigerator and stovetop technology, but very vintage general building that it's set into. There is And again, this is probably partly at least for the purposes of being on a TV set. There is some implication that there is a place where you can sit in the kitchen and you can pull up seats to a little bar, which would allow the characters in the show to pull up seats facing directly out into the camera, into the live audience. But um, it also, interestingly, and again, this might be just a factor of the show, it has the range in front of the kitchen window and the sink faces on towards an inward wall, which has a shuttered opening that opens up into the living room so that conversations on the show can be had between people in the kitchen and the living room if they need to be. Jumping forward in time, the next kitchen I took a look at was the original Dick Van Dyke set kitchen. And that show ran from 1961 to 1966. So we've jumped forward by almost a decade in kitchen set design. And this kitchen is... Interesting. It's got a lot of very modern details. This, to me, we've almost hopscotched over what I think of as a 50s kitchen into a 60s kitchen. There's uh, an eat-in table with tulip chairs and a pedestal table. There is an island, and this island is set up as if basically there's a galley kitchen without upper walls. So it 
has an relatively open plan kitchen space, um, Mary Tyler Moore gets to stand inside of a unit that's only for her, where it's got the sink on one end and then a little island that has an L shape that has a jog in it. So she's got work surface that she can set things out on. And also the cooktop is built into that. But it does have a built-in wall oven that sits in a little niche next to the built-in refrigerator. Not actually a built-in unit, but it's set into a little niche itself. And all of them are done in this lovely powder blue. I, I find it all very enviable. In this point, we've got slab front cabinets, unlike the almost like modern farmhouse shaker cabinets that we had in the I Love Lucy kitchen, and very simple stainless everything for handles. Um, this is definitely a command center workstation kitchen that also has a hangout space in it, but the hangout space is for family and the workspace is for Mary Tyler Moore. If we jump forward one more leap in time, we look at, let's talk about the Brady Bunch kitchen. So this ran from 1969 to 1974. And it's an interesting one for a TV kitchen because it's a kitchen intended to hold a large blended family with a housekeeper. So this really does need to allow for multiple adults and teenagers to be able to swirl around each other in one space and do cooking type things at the same time. Plus it's a TV set. So it's set up with a long narrow island, just two foot deep. So it's not the kind of island you can pull up chairs to, but the island has a right angle turn in it. Unlike Mary Tyler Moore's kitchen where that right angle enclosed her and made a smaller space for her to stand in and save steps. This one turns outwards towards the kitchen. So there's a long uh, sort of storage and work table space behind the island on one side. And then on the other, uh, there's a the back of the fireplace with a brick built in in, in kitchen uh, grill, it looks like, and then a built in wall oven with the cooktop freestanding on the opposite side. And what's interesting is if you look at the pictures of the Brady Bunch kitchen from various eras, they switched. I'm not sure which one came first and which came second, but they switched from an electric uh, sort of circle spiral cooktop to a gas at some point in the filming of the show. But the materials in this are incredibly mod. They have dark wood cabinets with a burnt orange formica cabinet and backsplash that again, like, I would absolutely live in this kitchen. It's great. And then the contrast to the burnt orange countertops is that the uh, seats of the chairs, again, tulip chairs. So we got tulip chairs in two generations of shows. It's a great design. Thank you, Saarinen. Um, the chairs, the toaster, and the refrigerator are all avocado green. Just absolutely love it. So what does this tell us? I mean, we are obviously seeing the planned obsolescence in fashion of kitchen coloring that comes in. For more on the planned obsolescence in kitchen colors, definitely go check out episode 502, in which I talk with Sarah Archer about her book, The Mid-Century Kitchen, and how we got into this idea of marketing kitchens and making them have fashion in colors, which makes us need to make them go in and out of style. But... Um, we also see that some of the ideas that we think of as modern, as things that we need to modernize a mid-century kitchen into having, like eat-in areas, like kitchen islands, like having a lot of um, outward-facing workspace, were floating around, at least on the TV sets of contemporaneous kitchens. So to me, this underlines the idea that we can have a lot of leeway within the concept of a mid-century kitchen. You really can turn the dime dial forward and back and choose the moment you want. The vintage twee of a 1940s kitchen is quite different from the space age of a 1960s one, but both could fit within the ethos of your mid-century house. 
And you also don't have to feel like islands, built-in appliances, or cozen nooks are out of period for your home. I love to think of the idea of a remodel not as an update necessarily, although in some utilitarian ways it certainly will be, but as an upgrade of the quality of your mid-century house to what it might have been at the time had it had access to a bigger original budget or a bigger vision on the part of the original builder. As always, you're going to use the style guide system to stand you in great stead as you set up your remodel plans, and one of the keys to that process is to name your exact mid-century moment. So go to the show notes for this episode and take a spin through them to see which of these vintage TV sets inspires you or if something else entirely does. I can't wait to talk to you next week about what we're going to see in modern versions of mid-century kitchens. Even if we look at a show that is perhaps set in the mid-century era, it's not going to show us the exact same kitchen as one that was made during the mid-century era. And we'll talk about why that is. Before we wrap up the episode, here are your words of weekly encouragement. Remember that while the goal of having a master plan is to set out your own desires clearly enough that you can work with people who don't share your mid-century vision, but it can be wearing to be the only person who has that vision, to be the only person who agrees with yourself that this is the right set of choices for your house. So do also seek out a team or a group or a friend circle of people around you who care about your mid-century choices as much as you do. They don't have to be the people who are doing the work on your house or supplying the materials to make it happen, but having friends who reinforce your vision, your love for mid-century is always a good idea. So I want you to keep an eye out this week for people to add to your remod squad. Um, That, of course, is me. Hi, I'm Della. I am member number one of your mid-mod remod squad. And you can always engage more with the Instagram, with the podcast, join Ready to Remodel, and find people in that way. But you can also find people at your local vintage store. Look around for fellow neighborhood members who actually like their mid-century home and are making mid-century choices for it. The more people you've got in your corner, the easier it's going to be to make great choices for you and for your mid-century house. You've got this, friend. And here's your level one quick fix home improvement idea. By the way, another way to look at these quick fix ideas are that these are all things you could even do in an apartment. And you can easily do in your home in the same way in that they can be undone or redone or they can be applied to multiple situations. So this is definitely falls into that category. Um, and the proof of the pudding there is that I did this for myself when I lived in apartments. And it has also served me very well in my not remodeled mid-century kitchen. The biggest challenge in most mid-century kitchen layouts um, that are of a builder-grade nature is that all the work surfaces face a wall. And an island is the idea today for modern kitchens, but islands don't fit into every space. And to build an island into a kitchen is often a pretty substantial remodeling move. So you may be able to solve this problem completely or at least partially in your kitchen right now with a piece of furniture. My secret weapon for this situation is a freestanding butcher block unit. It doesn't need to be large to change the way you cook and socialize in your kitchen. If you have the classic L-shaped kitchen or even a U that's at least seven feet from cabinet base face to cabinet base face, you can fit in a small square butcher block unit, a two foot by two foot or a 20 inch by 20 inch. If you have a little more room, you can find a little more practical workspace, the more common two foot by four foot freestanding butcher block. Ikea has several options. Etsy can always hook you up. And there's a 12-inch thick butcher block maple option from Rejuvenation for well over $1,000 that makes my heart beat fast. 
It is a high-end piece of furniture. But here's the thing. This is a solid unit that's going to cost some cash, but way less than a full kitchen remodel. And it can be the perfect addition to a kitchen that was designed to hold a tiny eat-in table you can't work at. But really what it needs now is some extra, extra prep space that two people can chat across. So if you get frustrated by the amount of workspace in your kitchen, by the limited options you have to work and talk to someone, think about squeezing in a small freestanding butcher block counter temporarily or permanently. It might change your kitchen. Next week on the podcast, we'll be talking about the mid-century dream kitchen of today and what that looks like and contains. I'm sure you've got your own opinions on this too. But here's what I'll leave you with. There is so much fun to be had in planning out the perfect, timeless, tailored-to-your-life upgrade for a mid-century kitchen. And at the same time, it's a lot. It's easy to find this overwhelming. So let me make it much more simple for you. Come along to the Mid-Century Kitchen Clinic, and I will walk you through the steps of planning a perfect update together in real time on Saturday, February 3rd. So grab your tickets right now for the early bird price. It is expiring on Sunday, and I will see you there a week from Saturday. Here's to making your Mid-Century Kitchen everything it ever could have been.